0: Okay. So today's episode of something to wrestle is brought to you by Starcast on fight, what are you waiting for? This is all anybody's talking about. Not only do you get the roast of Ric Flair, are you kidding me, but you get tons of other great panels like Cody and the young bucks sitting down to talk about how in the world, all elite wrestling came to be a thing. Of course, it's the last live something to wrestle. What about Tony Schiavone sitting down with Sting? What about Sean Moody sitting down with Bret Hart? Oh, and Tom McGee's there. Never know what they might be talking about. We just announced the Booker T show. We've got a Taz show. It's nearly two dozen shows at Caesars, and you can enjoy them all right now, live on demand in glorious HD for the low, low price of fifty-nine bucks. Just go to StarcastOnFight.com and you'll pick it up. There's two shows going almost all weekend across four days so if you don't like what's on one stage just flip over to the other stage and if you can join us in person why wouldn't you it is a who's who of professional wrestling and you don't want to miss it it's starcast.com or starcastonfight.com and don't forget there's two r's in starcast just like starcade and fight is f-i-t-e starcastonfight.com Welcome to we something
1: to, to wrestle, wrestle, with with it. wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know, that's not a rib. She put it. She pooed it. <laughs> what a rib? a rib? No, you have not There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't in you know. deal in rumor and in innuendo. No. And was oh, he there? I was there. So bad, I don't. Give a shit. <laughs> I ain't scared of shit. I ain't scared of shit. Fuck you, Bruce. I love you. me double cheeseburger. Bread, double cheese. Double mayo. You know. double, mayo you know. salad. double onion, motherfucker. Hey, hey, it's
0: Conrad Thompson, you're and you're butter. listening to Something to Wrestle With. Bruce Pritchard.
1: Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? You know what? The, uh... I'm here. I'm alive. It's all good. Contrary to popular belief. I, I, I think I'm here. Conrad,
0: you know, I have heard that you're there, but you've been everywhere. My friend, uh, this life on the road that you've signed up for again has uh, quite the stretch coming up. You were telling me before we clicked record today that you've got an 11 day trip coming up, including a trip to the sand of Saudi Arabia.
1: Woo. That's a long trip, buddy. Boy, it sure is. And I'm going from one end of the world all the way to the other and then coming back and going to the other side. So, uh, yeah, a little bit of craziness going on, but it's all good. Cause we're rocking and rolling and wrestling with something too, with you, you know what I mean? I do
0: know what you mean. And I'm fired up about today's episode because we're going to get to do something we haven't done in a long time. We're going to do a watch along and we're going to do this for raw number 311. And you're thinking, why in the world are they covering this random Raw? Oh, is it one of Conrad's anniversary shows? It sure is 20 years ago, May 10th, 1999, but specifically it's the highest rated raw ever. Uh, and these days, everybody's talking about television ratings. Again, we'll get into all of that, but more importantly, we're going to revisit this interesting time in the world wrestling Federation from May 10th, 1999. So if you haven't already fire up your WWE network, hit mute. And uh, find us here. Right, what you're gonna do is go to shows, and then you're gonna go to N Ring, and then you're gonna go to Raw replays, and then 1999. And the one you're looking for is Raw 311, May 10th, 1999. But what you've been looking for lately, Bruce, is a way, you know, to sort of to make little- my penis hard, Conrad. <laughs> I, I, I just
1: want to make my PP pee hard. Do you have an answer? Well, here's the thing. I, mean, I know you. You been- like to talk about hard penises. I do. I do Pain. well,
0: and really we're helping people. And it's my turn to help you because you're traveling so much. I mean, last night you, you didn't get off all of your calls until 4:45 in the morning. And so by the time you climb in bed, it's fair to say that you might need a little help getting that Dick real, real hard. Right? Uh, PP was tired. <laughs> well, there you go. So let's talk about sex guys. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go. Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. It's bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work, Bruce, and you can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach, which you normally have. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Just the other night, you were laying the wood right there in Friendswood, Texas. Were
1: you not? Know blue Chew, by God. It's thank Thank God for Blue Chew. That's all I got to say.
0: <laughs> now, it's not just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants that extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. Make her tap out. Uh, Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package, so no in person doctor's visits, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. And right now we've got a special deal for our listeners. Go to bluechew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our very special promo code wrestle. You just pay the $5 shipping. One more time, that's bluechew.com b l u e c h e w.com and the promo code is wrestle and you get to try it for free. Just pay that $5 shipping. Bluechew is the better, cheaper, faster choice and we want to thank them for sponsoring the podcast and Bruce's Erections. Thank you, Blue Chew. And your wife thanks them too. So let's fire it up. WWE Network 1999, May 10th to be exact, 20 years ago today. It's Raw number 311. And we're going to give you a bit of a countdown. And
1: then when uh, Bruce says play, press play. Bruce, are you ready? Okay. Remember, we've already gone past the PG thir- 14 thing on this and everything. And we're right there. And probably if you look at your dot, it'll say a minute 30. That's because we've already done all that other shit. So I'm ready and I'm going to go five, four, three, two, one play like that. And then we'll all hit play. Sound good. I'm ready. All right. Five, four, three, two, one play.
0: I love this opening, Bruce. This to me is, uh, the peak of my WWF fandom as a teenager.
1: Well, what this is Conrad is this is attitude, a little attitudinal pal.
0: Attitudinal. I'm not sure that's a word. Oh, look at this. It is a word. I just said it. It's like Shane smelled the turd. Oh, maybe rock oh, did so too. rock.
1: Ooh, maybe they smell trouble coming with stone cold. <laughs> Steve Austin.
0: <laughs> this is uh, it's sort of weird. You know, the, the different factions that are existing here. So you had the, the ministry and then you had the corporation and then there's the corporate ministry. There's, there's a lot going on here. Uh, and, uh, Faction warfare, pal. Is that what Vince would, how Vince would describe this?
1: Yeah, probably so. I I think it was, it was a faction time in the business where everybody had to have groups. We had, we had done that for so long. And I think that the NWO really brought that back, back to life where it was cool again, you know, so we had them here as well. And everybody had to be a part of a faction except for You know, a lot of times Steve really wasn't part of a faction stone cold, nor was rock, uh, when they really took off at at one point. So, um, faction time in the WWF and a lot of unpredictability.
0: Well, this is predictable here. You guys did a lot of, uh, I I guess, entrance shots, or I don't know what you would call these, but this sort of looks corny to me. And and it was a staple of WWE, but we're seeing these guys all arrive at the same time, but we're not seeing where they're arriving from. They're all just sort of lined up waiting to come out and Comes off a little, I don't know, hokey. Uh, who, who was really the guy leading the charge saying, oh, we got to have these entrance shots or whatever you called them?
1: Well, the idea, they were a rival shot. So the idea was these guys were in the building, shit's going to happen, and now you're anticipating the blow up and the explosion because all of your talent that is adversarial, they've all arrived and now shit's on. It's time to go.
0: I guess I'm just saying, if you're asking me to suspend my disbelief and I realize there's some silly things in wrestling that we're just going to agree to here on the show when we tune in, but like they're seemingly coming out of solid brick walls at the exact same time. Like, no, you know,
1: there were doors there. <laughs> I not understand there,
0: but I'm saying this a couple of years ago, there was a shot in the back where it looked like the Usos were making their way somewhere and they're coming out of cement blocks. Like you were two feet away. There's no way you just walked in there. I don't know. Some of those backstage shots to me. Seem a little out of place, but clearly things are working. Look at this capacity crowd here in Orlando. You've got 12,213 people paying $306,455 and what a different era. Look at all the signs.
1: Unbelievable. I mean, it was, it was a sea of signs. It's, this was an exciting time in the business where a lot of things were going on and a lot of crowd participation and fuck. They love their signs. This is
0: before social media. So this is how you expressed yourself. You didn't, you didn't get online and use a hashtag, you know, Roman sucks or whatever you you wrote. Roman sucks on a poster and you took it to the building. Uh,
1: die uh, Rocky
0: die. Yeah, there you go. And some of that stuff became, you know, part of an angle. So the big entrance here for our mayor Kane, uh, which is still surreal. Did you see his speech the other day where in the middle of it, uh, the stage turned red and he put the mask on and then, uh, he took it back off and went back to normal as mayor giving the speech.
1: Well, shit can happen, man. It's sometimes you can't control those things. Conrad, it's true.
0: Mr. Ass coming down here and, uh, putting the boots to his old partner, Sean Waltman, X-Pac, of course, that's Kane's little buddy here. I guess we should tell you the reason specifically we're covering this. Uh, here's a, here's a quote from Meltzer. This raw got an 8.9. You hear me? 8.9 making it the highest rated raw ever. The original Royal rumble on the USA network on January 24th, 1988 drew an 8.2 rating, although far fewer homes had cable. So at that point it was 3.2 million homes and less than 5 million viewers as compared to 6.148 million homes and an estimated 9.2 million viewers. So 9.2 million people watching this show. That's incredible. Is it not?
1: It's pretty damn impressive by God. And the, uh, speaking the, of impressive, look at Mr. Ash. Yeah. Shake that booty maker
0: Two uh, two made? surefire hall of famers there. I guess Billy guns already. In. I don't know that Kane is yet, but obviously he's
1: going to be. Yes. The mayor will definitely be a hall of famer. We
0: should mention here. The business continues to climb. We've talked about what an incredible year. 1998 was for the company. Uh, but attendance is up 22% in 99. They went from 9,382 fans up to 11,447 fans. And your gate, boy, ticket prices are higher. So they're up 83% uh, every time they leave the door. Uh, 151 grand is what you're averaging in May of 98. You're at 278 by May of 99. uh, And you're selling out like 80% of your house shows. Ratings are up 38%. You're averaging a 6.84. This is the hottest the business has been the entire time you've been in the company at this point. Fair to say?
1: Yes, this was an exciting time to be in the business because everything was clicking and all you had to do was make the announcement and things were selling out. The talent was hot. The company was hot and it was craziness. We never knew what was around the next corner.
0: Uh, Talk to me a little bit about the U S news and world report that came out in May. They did a whole article on Vince McMahon and pro wrestling and specifically the profile on Vince McMahon was, uh, I don't know, not polite. I mean, I know he, uh, he spoke with, uh, Lynn Rosselli and she was the interviewer, I guess, for the, uh, for the magazine, for the article. But he, I mean, she's, she's asking him about, uh, infidelity and steroids and lots of stuff that you would never see Vince McMahon sort of be candid about, or even entertain a question for, uh, but here he was, he was sort of game to do it. Does anybody like speak up and say, Hey Vince, I don't know if this is a good idea. Like we don't need to do that. Business is through the roof or was he just courting attention at that point, wherever he could get it? Well,
1: business was through the roof, but part of the reason that business was through the roof was the accessibility and the interest from publications like us news. So you've got a character in Mr. McMahon, who's building up his character, doing a lot of these interviews, he can express himself as the character, much more so than he can as the businessman, Vince McMahon, and blur that line. And that's what he was doing a lot of times. He was trying to blur that line to get people to tune in to see, well, is this fish or is this fowl that I'm I'm looking at with Mr. McMahon? I, it's a real guy. He really owns the company. He He's the head. But I... Vince was a master at that being able to court both sides.
0: Well, he's certainly getting a lot of attention here. I mean, everybody is writing about him and talking about him and they're even talking to some of the top guys. Steve Austin was quoted in this story saying, I get a little turned off with some of the sexual overtones. And he also said, I don't dig any of that racism. Uh, and, and they're pushing here that McMahon is someone who tries to adhere to a moral code in his private life, but he seems disconnected from what they called the moral implications of the product. And, you know, some of the critics are noted in this article as saying that the programming is aimed at young audiences and they are, quote, the vilest messages of our times. Racial stereotypes are okay. Oggling women and making crude remarks are the marks of a man. It's cool to tell people to kiss my ass or suck it. And if you disagree with someone, just bash them. So clearly, this is someone who t- is not a fan of the product. And it's very, very critical of it. But, I mean, some of this whole, you know, if you disagree with someone, bash them. That's, that's the basis of wrestling. So, it sort of is what it is. It should be the basis of life, damn it. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the articles keep rolling, though. There's uh, an April issue of a magazine called Plugged In, which is more family-oriented. And their entire cover article is all about the content of these shows, where it's totally negative negative. And, um, I don't know. It feels like you guys here when you're at your hottest is probably when you're most controversial.
1: Is that fair to say? Definitely. And it's also you're the hotter you are, the more detractors you're going to have, the more supporters you have, obviously the more detractors that you're going to have. The media always loves to build you up and then tear you down as much as they possibly can. So there's an opportunity of, you know, Okay. They're at the top of their game. Well then by God, we need to get them down from there. <laughs> so, but Holy shit. What a bump Kane just took. But, uh, that's, that's what the media does. And I think that that's what people in general do. They love to, they love the success story, but they love the fall from grace even more.
0: Speaking of fall for grace, fall from grace. I feel like we should cover a little tidbit from Meltzer's newsletter here. He says, Mrs. Cleavage is Maria Komlos or Mariana Comlos. sorry, a female bodybuilder who failed trying out for playboys playmate of the millennium. She's supposed to train this month in the ring and become a wrestler. Beaver is of course, Charles Warrington, formerly headbanger mash or mosh rather. We've talked about, uh, Chaz and mosh and all that before, but we haven't spent a ton of time talking about Mariana, um, A little bit briefly here and there, what are your favorite memories of of working with her? If there was anything, as we see road dog taking his former tag team partner here, Billy Gunn, to the woodshed.
1: Well, Mariana, we got from the world of the the physical models, the fitness model, physical models, the fitness model world. And Mariana was a top fitness model that came to us through that same group that brought me, uh, Victoria and Trish Stratus and, and some of those same talents that came in. What the hell is Mark Henry doing? Oh, uh, (laughs) he's getting his ass choked by Kane, but Mariana was a top fitness model that came in, wanted to break into the business. And unfortunately, I don't think that Mariana was as athletically gifted as the Trish Stratus and, and Victoria's of the world that were able to adapt to the wrestling business a little bit more beautiful young lady, great attitude, but I don't know that it was ever going to click with her in the ring and being an actual wrestling talent.
0: I guess we should mention here D and Henry are now going to challenge, uh, X-Pac and Kane for the tag titles at over the edge. Um, let, let's talk briefly about, uh, I guess we should just mention, Mariana passed away from breast cancer at just 35 years old in 2004. So, uh, I wanted to bring that up again, because I know we've mentioned her before and we've mentioned that she passed away, but gosh, how, I mean, what an early, I mean, 35. Wow.
1: Yeah. Tragedy is terrible.
0: Um, we missed something, you know, we were talking about business or whatever, but, uh, a female fan jumped on Billy Gunn as he's walking to the ring. I assume that's not a plant that was just an overzealous lady or was that, You guys are just trying to get over his, uh, his
1: ass meat. Well, women like ass meat. So of course they would have to just jump Mr. Ass and that particular one. Yes. That was a plant.
0: Okay. Good to know. So, uh, we're here in Orlando again, check her out. That's a blast from the past. That's the name we don't see very often.
1: Monica seals. Great tennis player, man. I think she just won some big tournament then. What the hell was it? The Kentucky Derby? No, wait a minute.
0: I love you for two reasons right there. And our listeners know why. Hey, so there's a dark match here that, uh, we didn't mention as we see the union on their way to the ring. One of the more forgettable factions, but they're going to be a big part of tonight. Uh, the dark match here is Owen Hart pinning Kurt angle. And Kurt said after the match that Owen was telling people backstage that Kurt was going to be world champion one day. So this is before we, we really see kurt angle become the superstar that we all know he's going to become but you talk about the measuring stick owen hart in a dark match i mean that's about as good as it gets is it not
1: yes and it was during the time that we weren't really sure what the hell we had with kurt we knew he was good and kurt had been on the road at this point but we weren't sure what to do with him yet because where do you put someone of that caliber into this mix at this point, because you look at the level of talent out there. It's, he was going to get lost. So this was during a time, just testing the waters with Kurt and letting everybody see what he's got.
0: Of course, he's going to debut later this year at survivor series. Here's uh, here's Vince McMahon cutting a promo uh, on behalf of the union. Uh, what do you think this sounds like today? If he was cutting a, an in-ring promo with, with Bruce Pritchard on the outside, what might this sound
1: like? God damn it, Bruce! What the hell were you thinking? You just smeared. No, that's a whole different promo on somebody else.
0: So he's in the ring here. He's got three officers in riot gear. He's calling out the corporate ministry. Uh, Shane and his crew are going to answer that challenge, and they're going to, of course, promise to destroy uh, the union. So this is going to be uh, a bit of a standoff now. Those damn McMahon's—they just can't get along.
1: It happens. It happens with all families. It just can't get along. Hell, my son's not speaking to me right now. So it's all good.
0: Well, you're not speaking to me or Silva either. So you're not talking to your other kids. So
1: well, it goes around. It happens. Silva had a birthday. Happy birthday, Dave.
0: Yeah. He's, uh, he, he had a special quinceanera. He did. Yes, he did. I went,
1: I went to the party, but he was a no show. Well, it's not a surprise. Like triple H in the sporks. Yeah, it's kind of weird.
0: So they're going to march to the ring and, and, and try to get it on. But before they do our commissioner and we haven't talked about yet is, uh, going to have something to say from the <laughs> Titan Shawn Michaels as a commissioner. Of course, I think most people remember he wrapped it up at WrestleMania in 1998. That was his last in ring performance for a little while, but he's back here in 99 as a commissioner. I assume you guys just had him on payroll and were looking for something to do. And somebody thought, Hey, uh, let's try this. Is that about how that goes?
1: Sure. It was Sean wanted to get back involved and we weren't going to, we we weren't even looking at having Sean be in the ring at this point, but Sean was a character, a lot of time invested in him and a lot of money invested in him. So get the most out of that character, utilize him as a commissioner, get his ass on TV. Look how young Shane looks. He looks like a little baby. Look how young Sean looks. Um, he looks like a little baby. Let's talk about, um, Look little, how old undertaker looks. I'll wait. <laughs> the, uh,
0: the content of the show is something that allegedly McMahon has to fly to Toronto to meet with TSN executives where they're going to talk about, um, the content, I guess they have their own, um, sort of version of the FCC, like we have in the United States called the CRTC. And even though TSN was heavily editing the show, CRTC is most concerned because they air uh, raw airs at 4 PM Eastern on Tuesdays, and they don't have a staggered feed. So the show airs Monday nights at 6 PM on the West coast of Canada. And obviously with some of the sort of, uh, adult themed content, people are concerned. Does Vince sort of pregame, hey, how? Hey, what can we do to appease these guys, and what can we say in the meeting, or what concessions can we give, or what can we promise we'll do differently in the future? Do you have those type of conversations, or does he just go in there, take his lumps, and see where it lands?
1: No, Vince always goes in with a plan, and usually that plan is move us where we are going to be a little more acceptable. If you feel that our programming doesn't fit in a 4 o'clock afternoon, which – probably didn't at that time, then move us to a primetime slot and you won't have that issue. But it's also funny because you have the Dr. Phil's and the Jerry Springer and all this other crap that airs at two, three, four o'clock in the afternoon everywhere. And it did in Canada as well. So I would dare say that those shows were a lot more risque than what you were getting on Monday Night Raw, but yet they were okay because people felt that they, well, it's okay. They're not real. Wait a minute. They're, <laughs> they're presented as real. We're presented as entertainment. Um, it just was always a double edged sword that we would be graded with. And that was the difficult part. Move us to a time where it's going to be more acceptable. Move us to a prime time slot and you take away those concerns.
0: The, uh, the show starting with a match instead of an in-ring promo is a bit of a departure. It does feel like these days. And for a long time, it started with an in-ring promo Were you guys cognizant of that week to week. Like, does anybody ever say, I'm not saying now I'm saying back then, bro, we just started with an in-ring promo last week. Let's do a match this week and switch it up. We'll do the promo in the segment
1: too. well, yes and no but it wasn't bro um, bro liked starting off the show with the in-ring segments and felt that that set the tone for the rest of the evening get everything out let people what they're you know know what they're going to see for the next 2 hours a lot of times that change up would come from for example me or pat patterson or more of a traditionalist it's, it's sometimes you sit there with a stopwatch and go okay we had 42 minutes of talk and we only had so many minutes of wrestling. I think that the audience and and it's been proven time and time again, they, if it's good talk and it's entertaining, then they like it. I I know I used to watch wrestling just for the interviews. I, I would watch the matches obviously, but I was waiting for those interviews. I wanted to hear my guy talk And that was the philosophy during this time. The more talk you had, a lot of times the feeling was the better the show was.
0: The, uh, the show is huge. Anytime Austin is on it. Of course, we're talking about Nash Bridges, where he was a frequent guest. In my research, I saw that his first appearance on that show did a fucking 9.8, uh, in a couple of weeks, uh, or I guess right around the same time as this show, not a couple of weeks after, but around the same time. Uh, They did an 8.2. So
1: Steve Austin is big business, no matter where you put him, wrestling or anything else, right? And he was one of the hottest commodities in Hollywood. Everyone wanted Steve, and we were trying to control that so that Steve didn't get overexposed. If Steve was going to be overexposed, by God, it's going to be on our product, not on somebody else's uh, brand. So we tried to limit what Steve did and make sure that what he was doing was good for Steve. And I think that the Nash bridges stuff was good for Steve. That was something that was positive and it kept, it was a character that was close to Steve Austin and that helped as well. And that's why I believe that our audience enjoyed watching that because they got stone cold in that. They got the same type of character.
0: I guess we should mention that over the edge is uh, just about two weeks away from this 13 days. And Michael's has just appointed Vince as the second guest referee in the main event of that show, Steve Austin and undertaker. And he's also named himself booker for the day and immediately orders eight matches for the show. And Shane's trying to overrule him here saying that Sean's 2000 miles away in San Antonio, but Michael's is interrupting him again. And, uh, you're going to see these. Uh these guys look at that
1: sexy bastard
0: and look who they are Shawn michaels himself which is kind of cool so pat patterson gerald briscoe and Shawn michaels for the big reveal and he's going to name himself as the special referee for raw's main event which is undertaker triple h and shane on one side so undertaker triple h and shane and the other side is steve austin the rock and vince mcmahon (laughs)
1: that's That's crazy. A little bit. And you, and you think of the star power in, in that one match and we're doing live events everywhere. We're doing pay-per-views every month. It's, and then you're getting this all on television. So it was, it was a hot time and a good time to be a wrestling fan.
0: He's also announcing that the next match that's going to take place is Paul bear versus big show. That's right. Paul bear versus big show. And John says, if anyone from the ministry interferes, he's going to strip the undertaker of his title shot at over the edge. Of course, uh, you're going to see what happens next, but this is uh interesting booking. I loved the reveal and I have to admit, I was genuinely surprised when the helmet came off and it was Sean. that had to be a Vince Russo idea of doing a pre-tape with Sean and then having him in the
1: ring the whole time. Right. Yes bro I am a genius Mayo Quinby. What do you think
0: of uh, Sean just patting the microphone against his pecker? you reckon he had some blue chew there or what was the
1: deal? he was just checking it out making sure it was still there. What do you think of that version of the world
0: title that Steve Austin has It's commonly referred to by belt nerds as the big eagle. It's the belt that replaced the classic winged eagle from Macho Man and Hulk oh my God a bat right over the head. Holy cow. It just splintered. Well, that's a big
1: head. It's a big show. That's a great visual. I got to tell you. Yeah, it was a nice little, nice little, uh, nice swing there. What what, what do you think of that version of the belt? (sighs) I really didn't like that one as much. Me neither. Uh, I liked, uh, the one before it. Sure the winged Eagle one, but I even go back to the one that Backlund had with the three-dimensional Eagle on it. I like that type of championship belt. And I just, I don't know. I, I, I like different type of belts. I like the, the old NWA belt and I like the uniqueness of them. I don't like uniform belts, I guess is what I'm saying.
0: So we've got big show here. And next up is supposed to be Paul Bearer and, um,
1: yeah. Big show looks great here.
0: He does. This is arguably the best he's ever looked. I mean, of course now, you know, he's taking his fitness to another level, but he looks like a different person, you know, with the, with the ponytail here compared to now with the, the bald head, with the big beard.
1: And even, even at this point, he was wanting to shave his head because he felt he was going bald and, Needed to just go ahead and shave it all off. But this was at a point where big show looked great. We're trying to get Paul bear to come on out and he's not coming by God. Oh, no.
0: Yeah. He's he's eventually going to appear, but, but he's going to need a little encouragement to get down the ramp. Uh, when you guys book something like this, where Paul bear is going to be in a spot like this, do, do you, does somebody sit down and go over it with him or do you guys just hand him a script and say, all right, big boy, here's what we're doing.
1: No, you talk to him about it and, and lay out the air, you know, the whole creative to him. But Paul was a player, man. Paul shit. Paul used to work matches all the time and little, little heavier at this point in his career. Oh, you're hurting my neck, Sean. Please Momo. I remember when I did old taker's mama. Now, can you imagine trying to roll that into the ring at that point? And he did though. Yes, he did. Old Paul bear. It looks like Paul Bear's sitting up. He wants, he's calling right now. 619. I love the show for that. that. What? It's just. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, gonna... telling him a big show's going, I don't know how to do the six, one, nine. And Sean's saying, I told him to do six one nine. Then knock me out, please. This is a good segment. <laughs> oh my God. You know, and Paul got, God, Paul was actually in decent shape here for Paul bearer In a big elbow by a big show. It's like fucking Paul ain't going to move. You're going to lay right fucking there, man. This is unbelievable that this is
0: the highest rated draw ever, but it is.
1: Well, I think that people were tuning in to see the epaulettes on uh, Jerry the King Lawler's jacket there. You know I don't even know what you just said. I'll, I'll be honest. The little gimmick's on the corner of his jacket there, a little fringy shit.
0: So Big Show here has has taken the microphone and he's saying, "You know, hey, Sean, since Sean's joined Jr. Lawler for commentary. Why don't you waive that no interference stipulation so Undertaker can come out and take a beating and Sean's going to agree. So you know, what's coming.
1: I thought he was saying, Hey, Sean, you got any more of those Krispy cream donuts backstage? I saw Mark Henry had like four cases.
0: Sean was a big Krispy cream fan.
1: No, but big show was so was Mark Henry. I know that because I am.
0: No, I know you are. Every time you come to Huntsville, you have to hit Dairy Queen and Krispy Kreme. You're, you're a healthy eater. Nothing but. And, you know, you also been known to knock the bottom out of some smoked wings.
1: It, friggin' A and some smoked turkey, too.
0: Healthy, healthy. So The Undertaker cruising down here, this ministry version. What, what do you think of this ministry look that he was rocking here?
1: Well, at least he looked evil. And I, it helped with the heel turn, but it was hard. It was just so hard for the audience to boo the Undertaker, and this look at least kind of evilfied him, if you will, and gave it a little bit, a uh, little bit more credence. But do you think for one second that he's going to risk his life to get in and help Paul Bear? Oh, Taker, my other son would come. Just like I came in your mama. Oh, yes. Twice.
0: (laughs) So there's the jorts. I feel like uh, Austin should have had some sort of problem with uh, Triple H here for gimmick infringement.
1: He's rocking the jorts. And now the, the union coming in with their two by fours. Blake Blake gimmick. I, I, Conrad, you, you just brought it up. Now I'm just really interested here in just the dress of everybody. Look at what Test is wearing. he's got on workout shorts and then combat boots. Triple H has got jorts on. Shamrock's got uh just jeans. Mick Foley's styling in his sweatpants and shirt, but that's Mick. It is Mink. And now we have an evening gown. (laughs) Oh yes. Miss Deborah. Tony would be happy about Deborah, wouldn't he?
0: Oh yeah. He'd be happy about Sable too. I don't know that he's familiar with Sable, but when, if he saw this, he would be very familiar and, and very much a fan.
1: Would he be happy with Nicole Bass behind Sable? Oh yeah, for sure. Really? Yeah. He's into that. He'd like to get his ass whooped by her, wouldn't he?
0: here's i just recently learned about tony he he uh he says i like a bigger woman i like i like a woman who will tussle with me that's the word tussle okay we're going to take a timeout right here uh pause your your show at 30 minutes and 19 seconds that's 30 minutes and 19 seconds and while you're waiting we want to tell you about our friends over at cheers Uh, now this is something that has recently come into both mine and your life bruce and the concept is cheers after alcohol aid is designed to reduce the negative effects of alcohol. You know what I'm talking about where you wake up the next day, maybe you've got a headache, maybe you've got a little nausea, maybe you're sluggish. That certainly happened to me. Cheers helps you reduce all that. Whether you drink a little or a lot, all you have to do is take two to four of these easy capsules before you go to bed. And then you'll feel at least 50% better in the morning or your money back guaranteed. Not a lot of people give you a money-back guarantee, so you know Cheers is legit. It's basically an antacid for alcohol, and it's even good for your liver. And I gotta admit, I was a little skeptical when I first heard about this. I was like, eh, I don't know, I don't really I don't really feel that way all the time the next day. I don't know if this will really work. It does, uh, especially if you uh, do some, some weekday drinking, and, you know, and you gotta go to work the next day, maybe you go get put loose and fancy free on a school night. This is the solution, is it not, Bruce?
1: Absolutely, because every once in a while, especially on you know, Friday or Saturday night, my wife and I'll go out with friends and I like to have a bottle of wine or two and they have whatever they want. And uh, as it gets older, it gets a little tougher to recover. So when I got my sample of cheers, I said, you know what, I'm gonna try this. And woke up on Saturday morning. Feeling absolutely wonderful, which normally I wouldn't after a couple bottles of wine. But with Cheers, I tried it. I loved it. And now it is a staple in the pantry by God. And you're going to love it too.
0: Well, don't take our word for it. Check out Cheers yourself. To order, visit CheersHealth.com and then enter that promo code WRESTLE at checkout. And you're going to get 10% off your first order plus a free gift. That's CheersHealth.com. And the promo code is WRESTLE. Or 10% off and a free gift. Cheers. It's the best thing to happen to alcohol since alcohol. Let's get back to our program here. We're at 30 minutes and 19 seconds, and we're going to press play. When I say play on your mark, get set. One, two, three, play. And we see Deborah strutting down, looking as only she can look as the nature boy would say. You guys were doubling down on, um, uh, you know, they, they described it in the world news report there. As, uh, ogling women, but the sexuality of women is certainly at an all time height here, Uh, especially for wrestling
1: in the attitude era. Right? Well, we had some beautiful women that were working with us and we wanted to be able to have them participate in the shows, any and every way that we possibly could and, uh, why not put them on television? And I think that most guys and especially our younger fans. And the teenage group would prefer to have them dress with in as little as possible.
0: Yep. Absolutely. Uh, in case you're watching at home and you've got the sound down, like we do we want to remind you that commissioner Sean Michaels has ordered Sable to defend the women's championship here in an evening gown match against Deborah. And, uh, there may or may not be a little bit of interference. We'll see what's going to happen here, but there she is. Mrs. Lesnar. Woo. Sable was, uh, the top dog in the WWE for a while. We've covered that in our archives at something to wrestle.com and it's easy to see why, Boy, she's strutting it. there, playing it up for the fans, Vince Russo, Vince McMahon, who was more enamored in your opinion?
1: Um, I would say they were probably both equally as enamored, but you also couldn't deny the response from the audience when it came to Sable because heel babyface, no matter what role that she portrayed, she got the desired response and man, the male audience, absolutely just adored her. So they, they liked a lot of Sable. And then of course you have Nicole bass. Yeah. Let's talk about Nicole bass.
0: Nicole bass, of course, first popped up uh, on the United States scene on Howard Stern, came a member of the whack pack there and a regular, uh, caller and personality on that show. And then she showed up in ECW and now she's here. Uh, I'm always been fascinated by that. Does, does Vince Russo become familiar with her because of Howard Stern, then see her in ECW and reach out, or is she back channeling, trying to get into the big leagues here of WWE?
1: No, this is one of those that Russo bro. We have to have Nicole Bass and it wasn't a, you know, Hey, let's see if Nicole Bass is available or, you know, what she doing is we have to have her. We have to bring in Nicole Bass, get her, just get it done. And I reached out and tried to work a a deal out with Nicole Bass. And there was, uh, it wasn't easy to say the least. And I had spoken to people who had worked with her previously, who advised me against working with her. And as we got into the negotiations, she obviously had a feeling that she was worth a lot more than what we were. Offering her at the time, but it, it, it got done and, and we brought her in much to uh, a lot of people's chagrin and, and then they started dealing with her and understood, and everybody got to understand why there was hesitation in the beginning to even bring her in.
0: Speaking of, uh, getting it in Val Venus is showing up here to show some support for Deborah. Uh, he sort of has made her his object of affection. This is serving as a distraction. I hope that doesn't mean, oh, it does. Sable gets to ripping and Deborah is stripped down to her bra and panties
1: here. At this point is Deborah with Steve. No, I don't think so. I I don't think she is at this point yet. As a matter of fact, no, I, well, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. I don't have any idea what the timeline of people's love lives were. I just wondered, you know, how he felt about
0: her being involved in things like bra and panty matches.
1: Yeah, I I don't know what the timeline was, but uh, she definitely was here. And Deborah Deborah, a beautiful woman with a great great physique. And oh, she oh what a oh my God, song. Jeff Jarrett, come on! I don't know why I went into Lance Russell there for a second, but that was
0: fun. I like your Lance Russell. I I gotta tell you, I'm not a huge Jeff Jarrett. Used to be, or it is now, the nickname for my fast forward button on my remote control. When we go back and watch some of these shows, but everybody can get behind a big guitar shot. That was awesome. absolutely. And and everybody can get behind Michael Cole with a uh, hair too. Look at that. So Sean Michaels here is jumping in as our commissioner and he's going to make a ruling here. He's going to say that he has a different view on the rules for an evening gown match. And in his opinion, uh, the woman that gets her gown ripped off is the winner. So he's going to declare Deborah, the new women's champion which you can imagine is not going to sit well with Sable and Nicole bass. What an imposing figure. Nicole bass is here.
1: Well, that she is, she's definitely imposing standing there and God forbid that she has to do anything else beyond that.
0: What do you think of the uh, women's championship that Sable has here?
1: Well, it's it a
0: belt. It's yeah. Yeah. It was a belt. There you go. I feel like all the women's championships have sucked. I hated the butterfly. I'm not really keen on the one they're using now. Um, I I don't think they've ever had a good
1: women's belt. Uh, fabulous Mula used to, I like the one I see. I, again, traditionally, I like the old women's championship with Mula's face on it. That was always my favorite.
0: Yeah. I get that. The old school, more traditional trophy style belts. Are more your speed?
1: Yeah. Old school. Old.
0: That's me. It is you. Hey, so I guess we should mention here uh, Meltzer's going to report around this time. Um, I think actually here on this show, uh, Ed Ferrara, who was Vince Russo's assistant at script writing on Raw, gave us two weeks' notice here uh, after a dispute with Vince McMahon about a beaver cleavage vignette where he kept doing plays on the word pussy. And Meltzer would write, and even, I guess, even McMahon has his limits and wouldn't allow it to air. Uh, at this time, McMahon said he wouldn't accept his notice and wanted him to stay. Not sure exactly what the status of him is, but it is believed he's staying. Do you remember Ed Ferrara threatening to quit over pussy?
1: Uh, I don't, I I really, and truly don't. I do remember the controversy over the beaver cleavage vignettes and they were all double entendres and just. They pushed the envelope even further than we like to push the envelope at that time. But I could see, I could see Ed quitting over that. Yeah.
0: So Deborah's now your women's champion, although she looks rather indifferent to that announcement. Test is going to come to the ring. Now we've lost test. He's no longer with us. And, uh, he's carrying a, uh, two by four here as part of the union doing his very best hacksaw Jim Duggan gimmick infringement. Uh, next up, we've got a nightstick on a pole match. That's what Test and Dick Bossman are going to be doing here. And as Shawn Michaels has ordered, the first competitor to grab it could shove the stick where the sun doesn't shine. So, yeah, how about that? You know, we always make fun of uh, some some Vince Russo booking in WCW with everything's on a pole, but here here we see a little bit of it in mid '99 in the WWF.
1: And, and who was writing television at that time? Vince Russo. Did, there so you go. He were, likes polls.
0: Were you there? Well, we like polls too. We used we used to do them here on the show. Do you um? Do you remember a conversation with Russo where he pitched something on a pole that maybe got shot
1: down? Well, the hoe on the pole. The hoe on the <laughs> pole. <laughs> wow, the hoe on a pole match. Yes. No, no, no. no. I like Our Godfather's my, hole on a pole. Hole. Pole? Not- are you okay? Ho on a pole, not a hole on a pole.
0: Godfather's hole. So Godfather yes, on a pole po. was on a pole.
1: Yes. Did you Did you need an app right now? No, I don't. I'm good. I, I even had I even had my BC powders. Okay. Yeah, it's all good. I was just wondering. <laughs> we lost the ability to make L's with our mouth. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got it. It was a hole on a pole, but just put in the wrong place. No, nah, you can't put your hole in the wrong place. That's true. No, nah, but Tess is going to get himself a pole on top of a pole. Uh-oh, there's his ass. Oh no. Oh yeah. That's good. He's going to be fine. Sever- He'll be fine severely for that one. I'll tell you. Come on, Jarrett. Oh. What, what, what's the deal with that?
0: With what? You're Lance Russell, you're just breaking out all the time now.
1: I you know what? It's just sometimes this lends itself to it. You give me hokey wrestling and shit, and I just think Memphis. Uh while we're watching some of this test
0: match, I'm gonna do some some quick Q and A's here. Uh Dally Dondero wants to know. I just wanna know why Bruce would take Vince Russo, a married man, to the Titty Club. I don't I don't know this story, but I guess once upon a time you Maybe you took him to heartbreakers or something.
1: No, I, I took him to a fine establishment, in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And what'd y'all do? Um, well, we, not much. He, <laughs> not, yeah. I don't know. That was definitely Russo's cup of tea. Uh, Charlie
0: Thriller writes Vince has mentioned in past episodes that, uh, Christopher Daniels was originally the higher power, but Vince didn't see it had to happen. Uh, what would McMahon's role have been and and how different would the angle have looked with Christopher Daniels as the higher power?
1: Oh boy. I, you know, I think that Vince in in his mind was. Is always looking to get off of television, but once he saw Christopher Daniels and felt just the size differential and, and just didn't, didn't see Christopher Daniels being the higher power, didn't like it. So. When they booked themselves into a corner, Vince was like, well, I'll be the higher power. God damn. Uh, Blue
0: brother Brandon wants to know, is Vince Russo the originator of the bra and panties match?
1: Hmm. I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, he definitely liked to see him, but I'm pretty sure we had bra and pa- panties matches before Vince Russo.
0: Talk to me a little bit about how you, you talk to the girls about, uh, okay, well now we're going to need you to, you know, get down, get stripped down to your bra and panties here. I mean, who conveys that message? Because it does feel like something you would have to handle rather delicately.
1: Well, as far as that goes, you would usually try and let them know ahead of time because they would like to make sure that their body was exactly, uh, as they like it train even a little bit more if they might've had, uh, something that covered their body more so when they wrestled or whatever they did. So make sure they were tan and things like that. Um, we'd always let the ladies know if there was going to be a bikini shoot or a bra and panties match coming up just so they could be as prepared as they possibly could. But you'd always ask them. And I don't remember really, uh, there might've been one or two down the line at some point for one reason or not that wasn't comfortable doing it. But for the most part, they were comfortable doing it. It's like, Guys that, that, uh, work, work out really hard and they want to show their body and women who have a beautiful body. They want to show it. They want to show off their body and show off their hard work.
0: Michael wants to know how miserable is Undertaker when they ruined the ministry of darkness and turned it into the corporate ministry.
1: Well, I don't know that they did ruin the ministry of darkness and he wasn't miserable. Um, Grant
0: wants to know, did the union ever really have a long-term future?
1: It was a short term deal. So no, they did the, a union, as a unit. No.
0: Holser wants to know, do you think if McMahon would have came out of a box that, uh, he would
1: have been over. Yeah.
0: Hey, so in the background right now, we get questions about that guy all the time. The jacked up security guard wearing the leather hat. Uh, you know, I, I know we've touched on him before, but Jim Florida, Dotson yeah, from Mike.
1: Nashville, Tennessee.
0: Talk to us a little bit about him, how he got involved in the mix. Any memories of him? Because I know he's no longer
1: with us. Jim Dotson was a good friend of The Undertaker, and he trained, but his specialty was security. He did a lot of uh, concert security for rock bands and things of that nature. He was a friend of Undertaker's. He was a friend of mine. and. When we needed security, we needed to have someone that oversaw all the security at the different buildings that we went to, and that's why Jim was brought in. He was brought in to kind of handle that, and now it's, it's grown to having their own security staff, entire staff of security, and uh, this was the beginning of it right in this era. Uh,
0: here's a fun question from Gavin. What would it have sounded like if Jerry Jarrett was the higher power?
1: Huh, Steve? Well, you know, I, well, yeah, I, you know, I'm the higher, well, you know, power, huh?
0: Bucket idiot. We're going to see the, um, the Stooges wrestle here in a little while. That's a real thing. And Nick Bird wants to know whose idea was it to give Patterson and Briscoe the real American theme song? for entrance music
1: that would have been vince russo and them i and as i remember when we were going through the matches and when they worked you know from the time before it was what music would you have for patterson and briscoe and both of those guys were like well i'd come out to real american so i could pose and then that became a you know kind of a okay we're going to give you guys real American, but we want you to pose and really, you know, we want that Hogan entrance, if you will, from you guys.
0: Oh, so there we go. Test has the nightstick now, and he's going to try to stick. Oh, oh
1: Bossman's Boss man got his own. Bossman had that nice telescoping nightstick.
0: Bossman was ready, going for the sunset flip, nails him, and then teabags him for the pin. Damn. Why did you guys call, um, a tea bag pinning combination from Bastion Booger, a trip to the back cave. What? Whenever Bastion Booger would pin a guy, he would just like sit on their face and hold their shoulders down. So his, um, crotchal area was in their face and the pit, that pinning combination was referred to by the commentators as a trip to the back cave.
1: That sounds like a Bobby Heenanism. It is. Yeah. I, Yeah. I have no idea. I was assumed it was because his, uh,
0: well, he was bat winging with his sack meat,
1: bat winging with his sackle meat,
0: (laughs) you know, when your sack sticks to your leg or whatever. And it's like bat wings. All right, here we go. Sack Sticks to your leg. Cactus Jack in the backstage area. Uh, he's got catering dishes with Harlem Globetrotter balls, and he's ready to come out and be hardcore and, uh, do some three pointers and sky hooks. We'll be back after these words.
1: Well, well, speaking of bat winging,
0: <laughs> what do you think Val Venus was saying
1: in here? I'm going to take some blue chew. I, then I'm going to take my dick and it's going to get choppy choppied off my PP. Who the hell knows? But somebody should have told him about that third eye zit right in the middle of his head.
0: Uh, Val's challenging Jeff Jarrett to a ladder match or to a match later on in the show. And, uh, next up we've got a hardcore handicap match. So buckle your seats, boys and girls. Why don't you think, uh, Sean Morley gets more appreciation? Is it because of this gimmick? I mean, obviously the gimmick was at the right time in the right place and things like that, but he was actually a pretty good performer. But do you think that just sort of gets overlooked
1: because the gimmick was, was what it was? It does. It really does. Sean Morley it was an excellent talent. I do believe that he could have been a, a main event top guy. I think that the gimmick just held held him back from where you didn't want a, a former porn star in, in your main event, you know, in that persona, in that character. So I think it, that did hold him back. And no matter what you did, that albatross was always going to be hung around his neck.
0: Would guys be wise to turn down a gimmick like that? Obviously, there will be no more porn star gimmicks coming, but I'm just saying if there is a gimmick that you know in your heart is not going to be the main event, how do you push back? I mean, you don't want to turn down WWE. You want to take the offer. You want to, you know, show what you could do on the big stage and try to work your way up, but you got to know in your heart of hearts, uh, this character is not a main event character.
1: Well, again, that's a tricky situation because you, you get, you get into it and you figure, well, I've I've got to do what I've got to do. I've got this opportunity and you do it like Valvina's did and you make it work to the very best of your ability and make the most out. He made the most out of it that you possibly could. So this is a hardcore match. And, uh. Median was going
0: after him with a serving platter. And I know what I'm thinking about fucking a guy up in a fight. The first thing I'm thinking is where's that tray we use to serve cookies when guests come over. Either that, or do we have any spare stop signs around? (laughs) If we, if we had a couple of basketballs, I could whip these motherfuckers myself. I know there's two of them, but if I had two basketballs, it's over.
1: No shit, no shit. And, And I actually, um, I don't know if, if we shot it or if it still made this or not. But, uh, this is one of those matches where I had come down and scavenged some of the hardcore items of the match to later be used oh. in the gimmick that never transpired with me.
0: Midian with the big body slam on cactus Jack on the outside, on the floor. Dude, that is a lot of man to be just slamming you down against the concrete. I know there's a little bit of padding there, but fuck that.
1: Yeah, there's also a big bunch of concrete underneath that that doesn't give for shit.
0: And it's not too forgiving when when is coming in on you too. My favorite part of this whole match though is when Midian is coming to the ring and he's got uh, two weapons. I think he had a, a chair and a uh, a trash can. He tries to throw both into the ring and both bounce <laughs> back at him. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't just fucking miss one. He missed both. It feels yeah. that feels like something the guys in the back watching the monitor are gonna bust his ass on when he comes back through.
1: Oh God, absolutely. And you notice that Big Viz, uh, he didn't miss. His his shit got in. Well, he's also about a foot taller. Well, this is true. So
0: here comes another true. chair shot. Oh my god, he bending around his back. That was unbelievable. You see lots of chair shots get bent over the head, and obviously that's bad, especially knowing what we know now. But bending one over a dude's back is no joke either, and out he falls like a sack of potatoes. They're trying to bend the chair back into shape so they can hit him with it again. <laughs>
1: Boy, people just, do- oh, my
0: God, did you see that?
1: Yeah, it was a little brutal. Mick, thank what God, got fuck? his hands up, and those, that's one way. And uh, Mick used to argue that was a much safer way to take the chair, and that, uh, if you notice, Mick liked to take it like that sometimes. Brutal. My ah, gosh, what a chair ah, show. Ah. Look at the weight. Oh, my big viscera.
0: So supposedly Cactus Jack is making his return for one night only here. Uh, chat me up here. Uh, We've talked about this before, but, oh, I can't believe that. What a chair shot of all the Mick Foley personas. Your favorite is
1: Mick Foley. Yeah. And the reason I say that is because it was as Mick Foley I think that he could open himself up a little more, and my second favorite of of the characters of the three faces of Foley would probably still be Mankind, then Cactus. Nice little double DDT there, by God. You still with me? I'm still with you, man. I'm just checking it out. I'm making sure we, we've we've lost connections a couple times here. For those of you that uh, we we tried to play it off a little bit, we'll, horrible weather here in Houston and just losing mm-hmm. connections. I was afraid you lost me there. Kind of like Midian's lost in the ring right now, wondering what the hell's going Asking on.
0: Asking for an assist. Oh my gosh, from the ringside area. And the staffer throws Cactus Jack a chair so he can nail Midian with it. And Midian, of course, had that trash can on him. And is still chasing him with that chair. And he, he is Viscera does not give a shit when he throws a chair shot. I've just learned that today. He throws all of them with bad intentions. This is fun. You know, hitting the trash can on the chair or with the chair, I, I think is is much less dangerous than just taking the fucking chair straight on.
1: I don't know. I think I'd rather take it with the trash can on me. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, down he goes. Down
0: goes big viscera shot to the, uh, low the the nether, the nether regions. I was going to say chocolate, salty balls. Here we go. The chair shot off the apron. Oh, going to make the cover on viscera here. He's done. No,
1: You're not getting up from that. Uh, uh, I
0: look who our referee is. I didn't even notice it's hall of famer Teddy long holla holla i gotta say in all the uh, different gigs that you guys had for teddy him being the smackdown gm was the most entertaining
1: uh without a doubt the most fun i love producing teddy as the smackdown gm and then at the end it just became fun to see what the hell would come out of his mouth if he could remember if he could remember 50 percent of what we gave him that was a good night
0: There you go. Cactus Jack gets your win. And there you go. There I
1: am. Look, that's me.
0: What is Bruce doing? He's grabbing balls. I'm collecting my
1: balls. Are those Vince McMahon's balls? I'm getting them. I'm going to sell them balls. Cupping them. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Hey, that's me. I was, you know what? I bet you that that right there was probably the highest rated moment of this entire show.
0: You know what? I have it on good authority that you're wrong.
1: That hurts inside where it counts uh here's china
0: uh she's altered her look a little bit since she debuted in 1997 uh, she's probably at the height of her popularity here in 99 is she not
1: yes yeah, she is and looking good and to me this is the best look for her i thought she looked really nice here and uh, was an absolute monster man
0: and now you know it's funny we used to talk about this on the show she's a wwe hall of famer
1: Yes, she is. How about God. this
0: vignette for the lethal weapon? Who shot this? Where'd you shoot it? What can you tell us about this vignette?
1: This was something I, that I believe just Chris Chambers and those guys put together, and they shot a lot of stuff, a lot of different things with Steve in his dojo in uh, wherever it was, Allentown, Pennsylvania, and just went and shot a whole bunch of things to try and get Steve over here as this martial arts guru, which is exactly what he was and what he still is to this day. And the excitement of Steve coming in, he's, he's not a three-time black belt hall of famer.
0: Speak of the devil, we just talked about this guy last week. Here comes Bradshaw with the, uh, acolytes. And of course he's got the, uh, gimmicks painted on his chest and, Two How earrings. many earrings is he wearing? Two earrings in each ear.
1: What does that mean exactly? I wonder.
0: What do you mean? What does it mean? It means he likes four earrings. Okay. Don't get hot. And here comes Farouk separately. You're probably wondering what in the world is going on. Uh, but this is a match where these guys are going to be wrestling each other. That's right. Tag team partners against each other. Uh, it's a lumberjack match. The union is going to serve as the lumberjacks.
1: You got to see for- Rod Simmons only has one earring, which means I'm a bad motherfucker. Damn. And here come
0: the union with the two by fours.
1: Yes, they do. By God. Where the hell is Mr. McMahon? Why isn't he coming out to be a lumberjack?
0: Man, big show and test. They're on like every other segment on this show.
1: Well, look at them. Of course they are. They're monsters. They're massive.
0: You know, we've talked a little bit about uh, what do you think Ron Simmons is saying here? By the way,
1: all you bitches want to get out here. Think I'm going to fuck my partner. I fuck him up anyway, just on purpose for fun, but you can't make me. You can't make me. You can't make me. John said hell yeah Ron fuck I don't want to fuck with you anyway because I don't want to have to whip your ass oh you didn't just say that well hell now Ron here's the thing you loud mouth Texan motherfucker yeah John don't want to have to fight Ron now that's for real Cause John knows what Ron does to people in that ring. He's like, yeah, nah, I don't want to take your shit and you don't want to take my shit cause I'm snug and I got two earrings in both my ears.
0: This is, um, you know, I guess we should talk about it. This is a good spot to talk about it. The highest rated raw ever. Oh, and now, of course they had a truce, but now they're going to attack each other. This is a good story. The highest rated raw ever, but in my opinion, it's not a great show. And I wanted to get your opinion on this because it feels like people are talking about ratings now more than ever. And I've, I've noticed that there is this weird, and I know I'm guilty of this because it's something that we talk about here on the show, but there's this weird fascination with ratings and wrestling. Uh, from a fan perspective and like, I don't know what the ratings are for any other show I watch. How about this? I don't care. And so, you know, lately, you know, with, with people getting new TV deals and there being other TV deals being rumored for other companies, people are wondering, are they paying for the time? What's the value of the contract? Like that's so fascinating to me because I feel like the newsletters that we use here on the show have really influenced the way a lot of fans sort of consume and enjoy wrestling. But, you know, the 12-year-old in the crowd the other night, he didn't, you know, he was excited to be at SmackDown Live or Raw or whatever because he wanted to see The Miz. He didn't need to know what The Miz's contract was or what the rating was. He just knew he loved Miz or he hated Shane McMahon or whatever. But I feel like some of that peek behind the curtain from a business side where you know sort of, where the ratings were once upon a time and where the ratings are now or what have you it's made sort of half-assed wannabe analysts of all of us wrestling fans where maybe we're sort of shaping our argument for whatever we like or don't like and we're using things like ratings as a basis for that but like I don't know how much HBO paid for the Sopranos I just know I really liked it and I think it's uh it kind of sucks that a lot of wrestling fans now can't just appreciate what it is for what it is and enjoy it. They've got to play business analyst and decide, well, this is good because everyone else likes it. And like, this is the highest rated show ever. I don't really like it. And I think that's okay for me to say, I don't think I have to say, Oh, it's a great show because it got such a great rating. Yes, it did well, but that doesn't affect my enjoyment. Right.
1: Well, exactly. And the other point to that is what determines why people are watching it. And a lot of times people are switching channels and maybe they stay on a particular show for what have you. But I think a lot of times, you know, when you sit down, if you're going to watch TV, what the hell you're going to watch. You have your favorites. You want to watch something for a reason and you're going to sit down and you're going to watch it. And if there's something better come along, so I, the barometer of television ratings was something that was used during the monday night wars where okay wcw did this rating we did the wwf did this rating and that became the the meter to to say okay you know who's doing better and it that doesn't tell you who's drawing more people in or who's making more money because yeah, even the towards friends. the end when the ratings they were still winning ratings we were making more money on house shows and our live events and and what have you so that's uh, people just c- kind of got tuned into what's the rating and that's that's what the the winner is and the the ratings now and the way people consume their media now is so different than what it was then that there's so many different ways to monitor that and you monitor it in a business by the bottom line. So I guess we should mention here that,
0: um, eventually the ministry comes down and puts a stop to that. The union, uh, this match, the union slides in and, uh, they all tag team up on viscera who was just in the last segment. But one of these members of the union who's involved in that is mankind. So literally in the last segment, it was cactus, Jack and viscera in a hardcore match. Now in the next segment, they're both back out here and this is the, one of the highest rated segments in the history of Raw here, and I can't believe this is real. It's this the is main, the highest
1: rated, this one right here.
0: It's the Mean Street Posse. And they're gonna be taking on the Stooges, Pete Gas and friends, on their way to the ring here. And the Stooges are about to come out. Of course, we're talking about Matt Patterson and Gerald Briscoe.
1: Yeah. And who'd have thunk it that these two kids, along with Billy Pirro, who used to hang out at the house all the time, Shane's best buds would be actually be in a wrestling ring wrestling with Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe. That's just the astonishing part to me.
0: I guess we should mention here, this is a rematch from last week. You've seen the clips last week where the Stooges are really getting the better of the main street posse and they're doing a rematch here with. Uh special instructions from Shawn Michaels where he says the losers would have to leave the WWF forever. And uh you know, Hulk Hogan is is obviously one of the top stars for WCW and iconic for the WWF. So they're gonna have Patterson and Briscoe come out and rip their shirts off in their entrance to Real American and cup their ears and do the whole Hulk Hogan routine and of course Briscoe reveals uh, a shirt for his body shop, uh, Briscoe Brothers Body Shop. It's worth the drive. And then, of course, Pat Patterson has on a shirt that looks like old school iron-on letters that just says uh, first IC Champion." And what city did that happen in?
1: Rio. <laughs> that's all. That's all you could get out of Pat was Rio, since he couldn't say De Janeiro. He would say, "I had a better Rio." Ah, fuck you. Two of the all-time
0: greats here. Uh, and Pat Patterson's taking a body slam on the outside. Of course he is. Back in the day, taking a body slam on the floor on the outside, that would have been a big time thing on TV. And, and here they're just breaking it out to start the match. And boy, Briscoe is like a house of fire. Just laying, laying the wood to everybody here.
1: Oh, hell yeah. That's that baby face Briscoe comeback, man. I feel hey, like you better watch the left.
0: I feel like this is the type of shit that he's doing to uh, Bradshaw
1: and Eric Bischoff in the bars. Absolutely. I've had, I've had that comeback thrown on me more than once, especially the damn fireman carries and the suplexes and bullshit. Yeah. Gerald is, um, uh, Gerald's almost 70 years old. He may actually be 70. I don't know that old bastard. He could still whip my ass.
0: He's looking good too. He's, he's even in much better shape now than he was here.
1: Yes, he is. But you know, shit, son of bitch here, 50 years old. And he, he could still go and probably whip everybody on the card. The exception of Kurt angle and Ken Shamrock. Look at these devastating kicks. Think about it, Conrad. Right now, you are witnessing the highest-rated segment in raw history, the Mean Street Posse, and Pete Gass getting ready to whip the shit out of Jerry Briscoe with his own belt. Come on, Pat. Hit him with your helmet. Oh, there you go. Out of pay. Hey, fuck you. Pat, Pat, you know, the funny thing is Pat and Jerry trying to do wrestling spots, (laughs) with Pete and Rod, and they have no fucking clue at all. They're just trying their best. Okay. I'm going over and I'm going to break my leg. It's okay.
0: What a segment. Briscoe's putting on the figure four and, uh, Patterson locking in the Boston crab and they get the submission win. What a segment. And the crowd's actually super into it. I know that you yes. know, some of this stuff doesn't age well, but my goodness, the crowd was into this. And,
1: and you know what? I, to me, I think that this aged very well, I, it's, it's still fun to watch to this day. And you look at it and you can tell just the enthusiasm of Jerry Briscoe and Pat Patterson, two old pros that you know, never forgot, and they still have what it takes. And they were still able to go out there and perform.
0: There is a, uh, I guess I should tell you here as he's stripping off his shirt. Oh yeah. JR on commentary is going to finish this segment by saying, and fellas, he's single.
1: By God, he is too. Look at that. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. You notice Briscoe kept his shirt on.
0: I love that Pat's just cool with hamming it up.
1: Oh yeah. Without a doubt, man. And I guarantee if he were to drop his drawers, they'd be yellow in front, brown in the back. That's how he knows which way to put them on. Right? Of course. Don't done. Everybody. Uh,
0: Kevin Nicholas. We're going to go back to Twitter, take some questions. Uh, as we see Ken Shamrock being interviewed here, by uh, Michael Cole, Kevin's going to say, so the corporate ministry is run by Shane and also run by Vince and they spent the last three months fighting each other. The ministry literally abducted Stephanie with Vince's permission. And now they're allies. All of this makes me question how big's Batista's stick.
1: All right, folks, here's what I need you to do is, uh, the time is now, uh, Ken Shamrock is talking. And when I say pause in three, two, one, we're going to pause. Here we go in three, two, one pause.
0: Bruce, thanks for stopping. We need to tell everybody we're at 108.31 or 108.33, depending on where you are, close enough. Uh, but what we're going to be telling you about right now is our friends over at Turo. Uh, you see, Mick Foley's been changing gimmicks left and right here. He's Mankind, he's Mick Foley, he's Cactus Jack. Well, if you would want to uh, switch up your driving a little bit, well, Turo is the place for you. Here's what we're talking about. Turo is a peer to peer car sharing marketplace where you can book any car you want, wherever you want from a community of local hosts. Turo is available in over 5,500 cities across the United States, Canada, the UK and Germany with over 9 million users worldwide. Here's how it works. You choose the best car for you often at a lower cost than traditional car rental agencies and customize your experience for whatever your adventure demands trio has 850 plus unique makes and models available and we're not talking about just the regular stuff the cool stuff like tesla porsche mercedes benz bmw ferrari come on and of course you can still get subarus toyotas and everything else whether you need a truck on moving day maybe you want to switch over to a fancy sports car for a luxurious weekend away Or maybe you need a vintage van for a picture-perfect road trip. Turo has it all, and you can find the perfect vehicle for your next adventure. We're talking about more than 350,000 vehicles listed globally on Turo and many hosts even deliver the car right to you. Insurance options are available on every trip. So why wouldn't you just skip the rental counter and go with Turo? Now here's how you do it. You download the Turo app. That's T-U-R-O on the app store or Google play or visit Turo.com and get $25 off your first trip when you sign up for Turo and use promo code Wrestle25 at checkout. Terms apply, but I want to give that to you one more time. Download the Turo app T-U-R-O or go to Turo.com and get $25 off your first trip when you sign up for Turo and use our promo code Wrestle25 at checkout.
1: Uh, hey, Conrad, you know, uh, I, I didn't even get a chance to tell you about this because I took a trip. I'm thinking about going from from a car to a truck. I know what I want to get, and I went to Turo, and I got the exact model of what I'm looking to get so I could take it out for a weekend on a road trip, see how it handled. Turo is the place to go if you're thinking about getting a new one. Try it out first for a couple of days, and Turo.com is the place to do that, and it's absolutely wonderful, and now I know what I'm going to do.
0: think you stole my gimmick there because i i I swear i legitimately did this for an suv it was like a mid-size suv i was like, I think it's too small for me i don't know that i can do that like i'm a big dude i need i need a bigger one that's what she said and then uh, i found it on turbo and i was like well why not just spend the day with it and just see i did it was awesome and now i bought one and it's in my driveway it's a real title now Uh, there you go so there you go we're gonna go ahead and get going back in the show here we're home stretching it uh, we're, as we as we get to the end of this uh, very special Monday Night Raw, we're one hour thirty one second, or one hour eight minutes thirty one seconds, is where I am. Uh, one hundred eight thirty three is where Bruce is. Pretty close. Uh, I'm going to give you a countdown. I'm going to say three, two, one, play. When I say play, we're good to go. Three, two, one, play. Going to commercial here, and as we come back, we see a uh, little promo package with Stone Cold Steve Austin delivering stunners left and right. And, uh, here we see the undertaker we're building towards over the edge, 1999, uh, that pay-per-view was notable for something else tragic that happened, not necessarily this main event, but we didn't know that at the time, boy,
1: 1-800 collect. Is that still even a thing? You know, I don't know. I think we put them out of business. Huh? Shit. Here's Val, don't
0: know. Val Venus. Who made, who made these old vignettes of. Val for the (laughs) video.
1: Oh God. That was, yeah, that was chambers and Panucci and the boys back in the back. Just having some fun with the entrance videos and now Deborah's back fully clothed. What the hell don't piss Jeff off. So apparently
0: 1-800 collect is still a thing I had to check, but back in the day, they were spending $160 million annually advertising. Woo. That's serious. Look at that Boss Wood guitar. Where did you get those Boss Wood guitars? At Boss Wood Guitars RS. That's what I was hoping for. Where do you get yours? Uh of Wood Guitars RS. And you can use okay. our promo code there at Wrestle. <laughs> <Get you one. laughs>
1: uh,
0: God. Is this the most fun you've had taping a podcast in a while?
1: It is. It is. <laughs> yeah. I
0: feel, I feel it, like you're going to text me later and be like, dude, can we just do watch alongs now? Because that was kind of fun. You're not grilling my ass and. Vince isn't yelling at me. This is nice for a change.
1: It is. I was just going to (laughs) go. It's J E double F J a double R E double T at double J Jeff Jarrett. So, uh,
0: is it a coincidence or not that Jeff Jarrett, uh, has a resurgence in his career because you sing a silly song here on the show and now he's a WWE hall of famer and a year later in the WWE.
1: Spend my days working hard on the go, but the hands on the clock keep spinning too slow. I can't wait to take another one of Val's working punches. Hey, so let me ask
0: you, if if
1: Val Venus were
0: to have a remix of that song, could you change a word or a letter or two here or there and, and make it entertaining from a Val Venus
1: perspective? Val's got his dick wrapped around his little finger and you know that well okay well i
0: was thought you were gonna say the hands on the cock keep spinning too slow oh damn conrad
1: that's just crass you just said the hands (laughs) on the cock keep spinning too slow
0: (laughs) something about val's gonna get ready to blow or i mean there's there's a there's a song in there
1: we may have to do a remix you know what i'm gonna have to write that out and think about it for
0: and and bring it to patreon by the way we want to give a shout out to everybody on patreon has been very patient with us as bruce (laughs) acclimates to his new life uh behind the scenes we've had Silva working on some uh some fun stuff for you uh he's got some of bruce's old books from back in the day and we're gonna shoot uh, a lot of that stuff and get it up so stay tuned there's some more fun stuff coming but uh when you're when you're working till four 45 in the morning and then back at it at nine it's it's a little it's a little hard even to fit in our taping every
1: week yeah it's hard to fit in a fucking nap at some point Shit. yeah I, you know what I chose this life Conrad no that's true i mean,
0: and, and we remind you of that all the time when we call and check on you and you're like hello <laughs> uh anyway the, you know when you're talking about that 11 day run earlier you're uh When you come back from Saudi, you're home for literally two hours before you have to make another plane. So you'll be there long enough to swap luggage and, uh, hit the road again. On the road again. Yep. So there you go. So heads up, uh, during that run, um, we're going to do our best to make sure that that Bruce has his uh, portable rig so we can record the show and bring you the same great sound. But if we don't, um, if if, if it's, uh a snafu, another best of will be coming your way, but we've got some big plans because 99 was a big year and you know, I love those anniversary shows. So between 99 and 04 and, and, uh, 94, there's lots of fun stuff to cover in the coming
1: months. Absolutely. And we got a Q and a one coming up as well, which I always love my Q and a shows. Yeah, I guess we should tell everybody, you know,
0: you and I sort of already mapped out the next, uh, string of shows and there's no, nothing wrong with us. Telling them that uh, nobody's really wanting to watch this Jeff Jarrett match, they got to hit that fast forward button. But we do have uh, quite the schedule worked out, and he didn't really reject any of it, so it's not bad. Uh, what we're what we're doing next week is Judgment Day two thousand four, where we're going to revisit that JBL Eddie Guerrero bloodbath. We just talked about it last week, and it really got my my blood flowing. Pardon the pun. To watch it again with you guys, uh, we've got a very special episode on the twenty fourth. I don't want to spoil. Uh, and then on the thirty first, we're going to be doing a Q and A episode. So uh, stay tuned. These next three or four weeks are going to be some fun weeks.
1: Speaking of fun, let's not talk about this match. Yeah, let's, let's <laughs> not.
0: I'm, I'm glad he said that. I, mean, look, I need the fast forward button. I've renamed the fast forward button on my remote the Jeff Jarrett, and whenever I press it, I just go
1: ho ho. <laughs>
0: huh? Hey, Rob on Twitter wants to know, how would Vince describe viscera shirtless?
1: God damn. Just visceral. Those puppies. Mmm. Chocolate puppies. Oh,
0: thank you. Uh, AJ wants to know, I have a question about the union. Why? Why not? Union's one of the worst factions you guys ever did,
1: right? Um, come on, man. We had uh, Los Boricuas and DoA. Not, so.
0: not saying this to be funny. I'm being very serious when I pitch this. Is this, you know, naming of the faction, union? Is that a little bit tongue in cheek, at Jesse Ventura? Why? Well, you know, Jesse Ventura years ago, one of the wrestlers to unionize, and there's been talk Oh about- my God, no. Okay. Well, I mean, you say that, but at the same time, we we had a man servant named Virgil and he was the head booker for the opposition.
1: That was his name. Okay, cool. He likes skitty sauce or meat. sauce. he likes meat sauce. He puts it on his skitty.
0: What else does he like? What are you getting these days now that you're back with WWE? All that change. Some of that fuck money is the phrase that he uses. Ah, uh, so this match, uh, it, you know, of all the matches
1: I've seen, this is one of them, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what, and, and this is one of them today, right here. <laughs> How many times is Jeff going to hit that fucking rope before he misses Val Venus over the top of the head? Look at the finish there. It's just or a roll up. No, nope. not, not, uh, not today. Uh, uh, one, two, uh-uh. Oh. Jarrett with a kick out into the rope sends Val Venus. Oh my, if he'd have hit that drop kick and Val only would have not missed that damn elbow smash.
0: Oh my gosh. This show is uh, proof that, uh, you know, it doesn't take a great show to get great ratings.
1: i like sign out there. Jeff Jarrett pisses me
0: off. Me too. Hey, uh, Rob wants to know what would it have sounded like if Johnny Ace was the higher power?
1: Oh, Hey Steve. It's me. It's me. I'm the higher power. It should be Vince. Cause he's fucking huge. He's vascular. And I think he needs some oil right now. I gotta go.
0: What about if it was uh Paul Bear?
1: Oh yes. If it was me motherfucker, I'd have a goddamn triple cheeseburger, triple cheese, triple mayo, extra onion motherfucker.
0: The uh the quarter hour for JBL and Farouk uh, was 8.6. How many times does he reminded you of that? God.
1: Almost daily. And he also, you know what? I mean, he, I don't know how many times that he, oh, here we go. Deborah's unbuttoning. But, uh, I don't know how many text messages I got after our show last week about JBL. Yeah, man. Very loudly. He told me that, yes, he is a Texan and he's got a big mouth, but he didn't like that. We called him a big mouth Texan.
0: And he also yelled, Bruce likes donkeys. I don't know why, but that's his go-to move.
1: Well, you know.
0: That's a not a good shot, cameraman. Don't shoot from that angle ever again, please. It's the money shot. Well, he sees uh Deborah, sees something he likes. He's going to take a look. See.
1: Well, hello, lady. Let me get on in here and snuggle up a little bit. That's right, Jeff. Get the fucking belt. And hurry up.
0: Slapped right. him, nails him with the belt, slides it out of there, makes the cover. That's uh that's Memphis wrestling right there, is it not?
1: Ah, oh, come on, Jeff. Ah oh, yeah, you got the three count. You know how you did it. Ah, oh, your dad wouldn't be very proud of that. Yeah, get out of there, lady. You don't belong in that ring anyway. Yeah. What did you think of the union theme song? Um, well, here, here's the thing. It, it wasn't the union theme song that I had the issue with. It was the, uh, and damn it. I wrote it down in my notes, Conrad, and now I can't even think of it. Um, the ministry theme song was very similar to something else. Oh, now, oh here we uh-oh.
0: go. favorite cleavage. Here we go.
1: There he is.
0: It's the beef. I feel like we need to play the audio for that. I uh, wanted to see how high I could go, you know, so I could just turn my thing up. I'm doing it on my end. Here we go.
1: You just relax and let mother take care of the split knee freak.
0: Never mind. Fuck it. We're both in at the same time. This is the worst we're doing on the show. it
1: comes to working on your knees, my mom is the expert. Oh. Oh. Thank you, Vince Russo, for Beaver Cleavage. That was it, Ferrara, right? It was Vince Russo, but you know, when he when you boil it all down, it's all my fault. Sure.
0: Well, everything's your fault if you listen to that podcast. Nobody listens to.
1: I don't listen to it, so nobody really else does either. Fuck. But the uh, I saw Chaz Warrington's like his picture on his passport or his driver's license, and he looked just like Beaver Cleaver, and then shit was born it happened you know we made fun of what triple
0: h was wearing earlier well i did i know you're not legally allowed anymore but he looked fucking goofy with his jean shorts like he was ripping off somebody's gimmick but here with china dude looks like a star it's a cool entrance it's a cool look seeing a replay here from last week where china's trying to pull shamrock off of triple h and triple h here is working in the long tights but Today, he's got the short trunks on. Did you prefer Triple H with the uh, the pants or the trunks?
1: I uh, like the long tights. Just saying. See, because with some guys, man, with, with trunks, it'll just cut their body off. And if they have long tights, it elongates it a little bit more. Or he just wear faded blue jeans.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ken Shamrock here, it's just... Wearing some old stone jeans and uh, boots, and that's
1: it. That's his whole. That's his whole deal. Well, because he don't give a fuck. Ken Shamrock can pretty much wear whatever the hell he wants to wear. I'm not arguing that. Yeah, are you gonna tell him any different? So here's
0: what we've got here, just to catch everybody up. This is about to be a match between the world's most dangerous man taking on the world's most dangerous woman. That's right, Shamrock and China. And uh in the interview we saw earlier with Michael Cole, Shamrock said he learned growing up that he should never strike a woman. And uh when he comes out here, of course, well, it's gonna be a situation because this match is happening.
1: So he goes and he he's 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 telling old Triple H right here, I'm gonna tell you something right here, by God. And Hunter's got his forest gump uh knee braces on as well. Those are his matches. Run, forest run.
0: Did you first start using that with uh with Austin back in the day? <laughs> yes. Every
1: oh. time I'd send Steve. Run, forest, run.
0: Oh, he's got her around the throat, and of course, Triple H oh. makes the save.
1: I don't think Shamrock would have hit her, though, my God.
0: <laughs> and a bell suplexer. Suplex. <laughs> she had to make sure the gimmicks didn't come out. And now he's like mad at himself that he did it and wishes he wouldn't have done it. And he's going to throw a little bit of a tantrum, kicking the steps. Like he didn't mean to do that. Just lost his
1: temper. Yeah. He just beat the shit out of his fucking head too. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to take those, those fucking slaps or punches that he's punched to his damn head.
0: Now this is so- sometimes buried in the story of this monumental writing. Here you go. What a team that is. Stone cold, Steve Austin, rocking some UNLV shorts. Uh, and, and carrying his smoking skull championship to the ring. The rock is in, a, in an arm cast. Here's Shawn Michaels promoting his wrestling Academy, which we know is going to crank out one of the best wrestlers of all time, Mr. Daniel Bryan, and we're going to break him. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, this match got a 9.17 rating, making it the most single watched pro wrestling match in the history of cable television and the first match in cable history to top 10 million viewers. So it's in 6.968 million homes and approximately 10.4 million viewers. Uh, the highest rated quarter hour was 8.61. And that of course was for Farouk and Bradshaw, Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe taking on Rodney and Pete gas, which is really pretty incredible because you're really good friends with, uh, almost everyone in the highest rated segments. Is that basically your life plan? Like, Hey, if I could just buddy up to these guys who had the, uh, the big rating.
1: Maybe I can have a big ruin.
0: Fuck. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I, I, did you, did you go back and do the research though on uh, the, the seconds? Because I, I'm pretty sure that like I was on about 12 seconds. So for those 12 seconds, I think that's where the show peaked, though. Mm. Cause people were calling their friends and saying, Oh my God, Bruce Pritchard's on. Mm. No, I don't think so. I think, but I'm pretty sure that they were like, it really he's on right now and they channels change and that probably helped that they were waiting because they they figured that big of a star that i would come out here at the end of this as well
0: uh, brandon montgomery has a great question here we got lots of questions about the union or the ministry and brandon wants to know bruce how big is batista's union <sighs> last time i asked you made me stop the show so we can do a commercial so hoping you wouldn't do that again hey tony barker wants to know did vince russo ever pitch a concept for the ministry that was too outlandish even with all the shenanigans of the attitude era and of course we know the the sacrifices the symbol lots of crazy stuff happened but uh was there anything that got turned down
1: i'm sure there was a lot of stuff that got turned down um but i wasn't privy to a lot of the turned down stuff because i only got got the pure genius stuff you know
0: hey let me ask
1: like something on a pole
0: This feels weird to me, but because I admit what the fuck do I know, but it doesn't feel normal to have like the last segment was Hunter and China. And now we go to break, we come back from another segment and now they're going to make another entrance this time with the undertaker and Shane. Like normally those segments wouldn't touch, right? You wouldn't. Have something happen, go to the back, walk back right right back out right away. normally, there would be more separation, and it feels like we've seen that here on this show more than once where there's no separation
1: yeah that that's true, and as you say, I think that a norm and if if you were to look at television writing one o one but but so much of that was thrown out, you know the book was thrown out, and a lot of the one o one stuff was was just thrown out the window as well, so what was the norm and what the rule was there was no stone that it was etched in and we did a lot of different things and and i think that that was good i think it was good that we tried different shit i don't know where vince got them fucking high-waisted pants though
0: do you think the reason they did the reveal the way they did with mcmahon being the high power is because of the success of the way they did the the segment to start the show with sean michaels on the titan tron and then actually in the ring the whole time under the helmet it feels it feels very similar the big reveal
1: probably so i, I think that that was maybe a tease to get to the next point boy how
0: different would the business of been an undertaker accidentally slipped with mcmahon there on that tombstone
1: well stranger things have happened
0: can i just say that I don't want to know what the WWE succession plan looks like. I need it to be with Vince forever. I I need him to live forever. Can we just like, let's cryogenically freeze that motherfucker until we figure out how to do it. Like we got to keep him around. Well, I think he would agree with that. (laughs) I'm just saying it feels, it's going to feel really, really weird one day. You know, when the internet, I don't even want to talk about, you know what I mean though? Like it's supposed to be together. And look at the crowd go wild. You know what that means? You didn't have to this have your last break on.
1: somewhere. Yes,
0: it is. And here he comes, takes his vest off, takes his belt off and he's, uh, getting to getting it.
1: Yeah. This, this was just, I mean, good God, Steve Austin could, could go down to the ring and breathe on somebody in this audience would have gone nuts. He's the most over character in the history of the company fair to say. I would say, I would say that Steve probably got over faster and hotter, you know, than anybody. Yes. You know, they're, they're has got the longevity. Hulk Hogan was the first, you know, rock is up there, but Steve, as far as, um, quick and over, like nobody with just that rocket, um, there's nobody been, there's never been anybody got over the way Steve did. And, and at that magnitude. One of the
0: things I talked about this week with uh, Jim Ross, which, by the way, if you're listening to this and you haven't checked it out, please go do. It's called Grilling Jr. That's a similar format to something to wrestle, but it's from Jim Ross's perspective. We talked about the curtain call and how much that changed the business. You know, because uh, I think most people know that Hunter Hearst Helmsley was supposed to win the King of the Ring in 1996, but because of the curtain call. Uh, there was a bit of backlash in the office and people felt like, you know, Hunter needed to be punished. So he didn't win the King of the ring. And instead they looked to push another guy who hadn't really been featured that much. And that guy was Steve Austin. And at the end of the night, after he was victorious, Doc Hendricks stuck the mic in his face. Austin Three Hundred Sixteen was born. The signs were in the crowd during raw and the t-shirt was printed up and we were off to the races. It's the hottest wrestler, the hottest act, the hottest t-shirt. And it all just happened organically and it probably wasn't i mean it definitely wasn't the original plan uh and and out of that too we got kane because you know kane was able to get a stay of execution as isaac yankum dds he got a little brief run as fake diesel and then of course later that turned into kane at the end of 97 but he started 97 as fake diesel and it's one of those things where it was just sort of meant to happen was uh, is it not
1: yeah, it really was, and when one door closes, you know, another one opens for somebody else to just walk on through, and that's a prime example of never give up, and just because you think everything is is going to shit, if you stay at it, the cream will rise to the top, and Stone Cold Steve Austin is a prime example of that. Steve never gave up, and Steve would not be denied, so every opportunity that was afforded him, man, he kicked the door in and, and went, went right through it and did everything that he could do to make the most of it. So that's, you know, that's the difference. And, and some guys have been given opportunity and not been able to walk through that door.
0: Are those, uh, shorts that Sean Michael's wearing, these look identical to the shorts that he wore in that famous interview with Jim Ross back in 97, where he was doing the silly crotch chopping, where he had stuffed his shorts and got in trouble, same shorts.
1: No, I think this was his Monday pair. The pair that he wore that time was his, uh, Tuesday pair.
0: It's just weird that this is his go-to for, uh, the referee outfit. And it is weird just to see him in this referee capacity because the way he's bouncing around the ring, you're sort of waiting on him to throw a a super kick, but it doesn't happen. All right. So this is interesting. (laughs) Vince had Austin Vince had Shane beat, uh, but Austin pulls him off so he can flip him off, give him a stunner and pin him himself double bird him and the crowd is going bananas. They came to see stunners. They came to see middle fingers and they got it.
1: Jeez. Look at that audience go absolutely. I mean, everybody is standing. I mean, on top of the world, Steve with the perfect catches and the throws. Well, ah, I see. I said it too soon and he missed one,
0: but he did do like a uh, behind the back to Shawn Michaels and they're going to do a little beer toast to end the show. And the crowd's going to go bananas and, uh, This is the highest rated show ever. And I guess, you know, nobody ever talks about this. So we should at least mention it. Uh, nitro is preempted this night because of an NBA game. So, you know, I know somebody's going to bring that up. If I don't mention it, they didn't get this monstrous rating without any opposition. They did in fact, uh, have no opposition because WCW was preempted. What'd you think Bruce? Chat me up. I hadn't seen that. You probably haven't watched that show in 20 years.
1: I have not. And Look, I, I was thoroughly entertained. There, there were some lulls in there, Jeff Jarrett, um, and you know. By the way, before
0: we get all kinds of hate tweets, we're friends with Jeff. We like Jeff. We're busting his balls. That's what we do on the show. So
1: carry on. Me especially, yes. I, I will. I will. I will probably when we finish this call Jeff just to bust his balls about busting his balls on this show. So. In my yeah. days working hard on the go tell him about um, the Val
0: venus remix i think he'll get a kick out of that make sure he's yeah, on i'm gonna, I'm gonna have
1: him help me write it
0: <laughs> well listen you don't need any help using turo it's a peer-to-peer car sharing marketplace where you can book any car you want wherever you want from a community of local hosts from those exotic sports cars to practical daily drivers you can choose the best car for you whatever your budget so download the turo app that's t-u-r-o on the app store or Google play, or just visit Turo.com and get $25 off your first trip. When you sign up for Turo and use that promo code wrestle 25 at checkout. Of course, terms apply. This is a fun show, man. I enjoyed going back and visiting this, uh, the highest rated brawl ever on the 20 year anniversary. And, uh, stay tuned because coming your way, we've got some more fun stuff next week. It's all about judgment day, 2004 the following week. I don't want to spoil yet, but it's going to be pretty special. Uh, and the week after that, this is going to be awesome. A Q and a show. We haven't done one of these in a while. And I have a feeling now that you're back amongst the living of the WWE, there's going to be a lot of questions about philosophies of booking. We should address uh, part of uh, Bruce's deal in returning is we can't talk about the current stuff. Uh, we can certainly draw comparisons and things like that, but If you're looking for inside scoops and dirt of what's going on today, this is not the show for you. We're celebrating nostalgia, but we could certainly talk about booking philosophies and changes in strategy, right, Bruce?
1: Absolutely.
0: Well, that's it, man. In the meantime, he is at Bruce Pritchard. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad, and we have one more live show scheduled on the books coming your way. Make plans to join us in Las Vegas over Memorial Day weekend. It's a little event we're putting together called StarCast. And tickets are on sale now at StarCast.com. And our last show is on the last day of StarCast. It's Sunday, uh, May 26th, I believe. Uh, So if you'd like to meet Bruce, you'd like to come out and see the show, by all means, please do. We don't have another one scheduled. Uh, If time changes, circumstances change, things happen, maybe there will be another live show one day, but not for the foreseeable future because Bruce is busier than a one-armed paper hanger. Uh, So come see us. Live and in person at starcast.com. Or if you can't make it to Vegas, I get it. Join us on fight at starcastonfight.com. It's the first time we've streamed a live show. And Bruce, you've seen the lineup of folks coming there. It's a who's who. You got any ideas on who you want to ask to be our special guest that day? Uh, You know what? We don't do guests. Well, but the live shows sometimes we've been known to have a little surprise here or there.
1: Well, you never know then. We'll just see who sticks around. Stay
0: tuned. Check us out next week, right here, every Friday at noon Eastern, the franchise, something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard.
1: This was fun. Shaka. Khan. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together.